National Fishermen and Pacific Marine Expo are proud supporters of the Galley Stories podcast, as we make similar efforts to highlight the people and topics that define commercial fishing. You can see what that looks like in print and online all year long, as well as every November in Seattle when this community comes together at PME. Check out nationalfishermen.com and pacificmarineexpo.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond, hosted by Mark Kaler. My name is Penka Jane, podcast deckhand and longtime listener. We'd thank you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Here's today's catch. Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, stories of the Bering Sea and beyond. I am your host, Mark Kaler. And today we've got with us Captain Jake Albinio of the Cornelia Murray. How are you doing today, Jake? Not too bad. How are you doing? Doing good, man. It's a beautiful day outside for once. As we've had some pretty crappy weather here lately. but uh, um, Jake, where were you born? And uh, how did you get first get around the fishing industry? Well, I was born in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. And uh, my dad was Coast Guard. So I was around the sea my whole life. And he ended up getting stationed in uh, Tillamook, um, Oregon. We ended up moving out there for about six years. And then... We moved from there down to Newport, and uh, Newport, Oregon is a very prominent fishing uh, town. So I ended up making a bunch of friends down there and, and uh, had a bunch of fishing buddies, but I was a wrestler through high school, and I wanted to go to college and wrestle. So that's basically what I did. I went to Oregon State and uh, wrestled for a couple of years. and was like kind of sick of school already, but my father-in-law, Jamie Potter, decided that he wanted me to uh, try fishing for a summer. And uh, I went up on the Golden Pisces, did about a month, two months, and I hated it, absolutely hated it. Got home, got my first paycheck, and was like, holy shit, you know? And uh, went back to school for about a semester, realized I'm not gonna make what I make fishing, so I dropped out of school and became a fisherman. And, uh, I went onto a boat called the. Seeker. Wait, I, I want to stop you there. Yeah, I want to go back to the Golden Pisces. What what it, what was the first experience, and what drove you to hate it? Uh, everything, being away from home, being away from my my uh, girlfriend at the time, not my wife. Um, I was a uh, I went from like a, a being an athlete, very active person, to being stuck on a eighty foot boat, and that that was really hard for me to to accept, you know. And not only that, I wasn't used to the weather. I, I got seasick all the time. Um, wasn't used to answering to someone that that uh, had con- full control of everything that I did, you know. But um, like I said, though, when I got home, I was like, dude, screw fishing. I got my, my paycheck and was like, damn, <laughs> this is where it's at. Tell me know? what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can tell me what do whatever, man. I'll do it. <laughs> All right, so where'd you go from the Golden Pisces? So from the Golden Pisces, I ended up, uh, I tried to go back to school for a little bit, and uh, it just didn't work out. I didn't I didn't really have a plan. It was just, I was just wasting money on school. So um, I ended up going on The Seeker with Jim Casper. And I went out and did a COD for a season, and then I went down to the Oregon Coast from here, and I did, ended up doing Hake. And I did Hake for a season, and was like, the seekers are really not for me. And uh, the next year, I went to the Excalibur and started dungeon fishing. And um, that was about three months long. And uh, 
Then I went back to the Seeker because I knew I was making money there. And I was on the Seeker for maybe three years. And after three years, I got the, the call from Trident and ended up on the Gladiator. And uh, that was with Ed French and uh, Buck Graham. But I went over the Gladiator, and that's when I really started making money and really started making a career out of uh, fishing. And that was Pollock. Pollock and Cod. Pollock and Cod. What, uh, what year was it when you first started? Uh, Just so we can kind of age you a little bit. Uh, 2001 was the first year I started fishing. Mm-hmm. So 21 years now. Yeah. Okay. So the Gladiator. How was that experience? Gladiator was fun. Big boat. Um, everyone on the boat was uh, really easy to get along with. I love, uh, you know, Brandon Kellogg. Yeah, he was like one of my best friends on there. We used to fight like brothers. I mean, we throw potatoes and shit at each other. And, and uh, um, we'd raise hell. But, you know, young dumb but um it was it was a lot of fun and i made a lot of money and that was when you'd go out into your hate or not your hate your uh, pollock and you come back in in uh, may and you get your retro check and your road check and that was the first time i experienced a row a row retro check and i was like damn dude even more money didn't know it was coming just kind no, of a, bonus, had, a little I bonus had, i had no idea what row was mm-hmm. and then uh, i got my first road check and it was like 34 grand so I was sold. Mm-hmm. How long were you on the Gladiator? I was on the Gladiator for about close to five years. Mm-hmm. And then I went from there and uh, chased my my dream of being a professional MMA fighter. And uh, I fought full time for about a year. It does not pay the bills. So I had to go back to fishing part time as well. So I went to a boat called the Epic Explorer. It used to be the Nordic Viking. And then it ran aground out in ADAC. They uh, overhauled the boat. B&M bought it and became the Epic Explorer. I was on there for about two years and uh, just wasn't making money. Finally, I called, uh, called Jim McManus. I tried it and uh, said, I'm in desperate need of a good boat. Can you get me somewhere? And he's like, well, right now we're all crewed up, but... Um, I'll call you first uh, first thing first boat I find out and uh, that was when uh, Jeff Reese called me on the Viking Explorer and I ended up going over there for 10 years was on was chief engineer over there for 10 years it's a great boat awesome boat they just retired it yeah that was kind of sad to see actually really sad to see well we all get retired at some point yeah we did but Cool thing was is that Jeff just retired, and shortly after after his retirement, he retired to BE. So yeah, and he was on there for almost forty years. You know, uh, uh, just the, the sense that the last time you and I spoke, you were chief engineer. Today, you're a captain, and I think that's credited to a lot of the guys that we've grown up with in the industry. They're now growing out. You know, they're they're retiring. A lot a lot of our fleet up here is aged would you agree to that yeah yeah i know a lot of guys are moving out and a lot of the um, guys that i grew up with they're moving up mm-hmm. and uh i mean sad to see but i'm also glad that i got to experience it with these guys like the dad french um my father-in-law um there's another one just retired uh big name out here uh, oh, dang. I can't think of his name. 
But anyways, yeah, so these guys, they're, they're like... Craig Jensen? Craig Jensen. I mean, yeah, these... Just retired? Yeah, they're like the the baddest of the bad captains. These guys, you, you, you slept... When they're driving the boat, you slept just fine. There no worries at all. But now I kind of feel where they're, they were at, you know, when they first started. And why you get gray so fast, you know, because it's distressful. When, when did you get handed your keys? Well, how did that come about? So I went to. Oh, wait, we're not even there yet because yeah. you did 10 years on the VE, Viking Explorer. Yep. And then where did you go from there? So I went from the VE. We should stay in the order. Yeah. So I went from, I was on the VE and uh, we were shutting down. We are shutting the boat, tying it up, and Carl Moses. It was, uh, I remember it was October 13th. And Casey McManus and Josh Harris knew that we were done. And they, they just had a guy quit. And they knew I was a crabber as well. So they came over and uh, tried to uh, recruit me to come over and do uh, red crab. I was like, dude, I'm going home. Screw this. And uh, he's all, well, at least just ask your wife to make sure, you know, it's okay. If you can you can stay. And I was like, dude, I want to go home. He's like, all right, well. I was like, you know what? Let me let me call her and ask. I knew she was gonna say no. At least I thought she was gonna say no. <laughs> and then she was like, "Well, we kind of need the money right now." And I was like, "Son of a bitch!" So I <laughs> and uh, I ended up. Uh, I went out and did red crab with them, and uh, made some good coin. And it was on the deadliest catch as well. So they also paid for the show. So I was like, all right, well, double dip. And uh, that year was like the most money I ever made because like. I crabbed and I draw, and uh, that's when I started like really starting to crab or think about crabbing as well. But it was a lot of time away from home. I'm talking 316 days away from at sea, so I was that was kind of wearing on me. And then after the second year of that, me and my wife kind of talking, and I decided to get my hundred ton, and I went to uh, um, I went down to Florida and got my uh, my hundred ton masters. And from there, came home and the crab just disappeared. Well, it didn't disappear. It just the, the state said we're not going to open anything up this year, except for Western Paradise. Western Paradise—that's a shit show. You don't you don't catch Western Paradise. But Opie's was gone. Went from doing a million pounds to sixty thousand, and then no red crab. And so I called Roger Thomas. He's one of the owners of the Cornelia Marie, and said, "Hey." Um, I think I'm going to go down to the Gulf and run crew boat down there for a little bit. And uh, he said, okay, well, you know, that would probably be smart, you know, split the money up amongst the rest of the guys. We're going to shorthand and 60,000 pounds is like, that's one, that's one tank, that's one string, opie fishing. So I ended up going down to the Gulf and running a uh, crew boat down there, did 22 knots, had six main engines, bow thrusters, pretty cool experience. But, um, something I don't want to do again. What did you say we're in a crew boat? What do you mean by a crew boat? So a crew boat is, it's a, it's a FSV, a fast uh, supply vessel, and they're made of aluminum, and they have a ton of horsepower, and they're pretty big. The one I ran was 165 foot, and uh, got on step, just like these bay boats. And uh, what we would do is we would pick up crew from the dock, and supplies, gear, whatever they need out the the oil rig, and then we would haul all them and the, the gear out to the oil rig and then offload it at the 
um, the crane stations, and then we haul back in. But usually we, we take you know crew and, and broken gear or whatever they don't need on the, the oil rig with us back to the dock, and we just run back and forth. Sometimes make two trips a day. What didn't you like about it? Uh, you make like three hundred twenty-five bucks a day. Oh, and it's a lot of a lot of paperwork, and it just it wasn't for me. If a hundred ton captain down there, you're you're not making money. But once you start upgrading to sixteen hundred ton, once you get the sixteen hundred ton inspected, you, you start making some some good bucks. But hundred ton captains, you don't make jack shit. Okay. So after that. So after that. I came home, and uh, I think it was around May. I got a call from Roger and said, "Hey, um, do you want to go to the bay?" And uh, um, the captain, uh, Dustin Landrum, he needed to go home early, so he was going to line me up to run the boat for Prince William Sound. So I came up and chief for the bay, and then went from the bay to Prince William Sound, and that's where Dusty handed me the keys and said good luck and I basically sat on anchor for three weeks that's all I did that was my first contract and then uh, we took the boat from Prince William Sound back to Dutch and then uh, rigged it up for uh, for cotton pot and uh, just tendering and I ended up doing a little bit of cod tendering out at uh, St. Paul and St. George and then we went and did cross dock and sand point for pot and then I tied the boat up and went home now I'm back again now you're back hauling Pollock. Hauling Pollock, yep, 620 fish. Mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, Sutwick. you got about a 42-hour run and uh, just doing two boats. That's all I can hold, 600,000. Mm-hmm. You enjoying the experience? Yeah, yeah. I love, I love being at sea. Um, I'm good at it. I'm good at my job. After 20 years, I should be good at my job. But I wasn't. What, what about the change in... And how you feel about the boat when you're the person responsible for everyone on it? Um, you lose a lot. Do, of do you feel that way? Yeah, it's uh, so. Casey is an amazing captain, and you know, working under him, he's he was very good at his job, and uh, I didn't worry about anything. Um, Dustin, Dusty, during the, the summer when he run, he's he's probably one of the most gifted captains I've ever worked with, and uh, I learned a lot from that guy. He's a great mentor, and I really wish to work with him again someday. But he's amongst the some of the guys that are moving out in the industry. You know, it's kind of sad to see people like him go because they're just they're great mentors. You know, he's a Dusty's a godsend for for uh, the fishing industry up here. He knows everything, and uh, he's a. 1600 ton inspected captain and along with that he, he's got his uh dde unlimited so there's not a lot of guys in the u.s that have that i think there's only four would you explain that to us so he's, a lot of our listeners don't know well what those are so yeah uh, to get in order to get a 1600 ton masters you have to take it's about three months of, of courses but amongst that you have to have sea time and it's something I think at 1600 time you need 720 days um, of sea time on a vessel that size. And uh, you also have to take ARPA, radar, radar, GMDSS, um, SCCW, advanced firefighting, um, 
they're celestial. Celestial is celestial days. navigation. Yeah, eleven days alone, three grand. So you're talking like twenty grand in just classes. And that's to be smart enough to get it all right the first time, right? Yeah, and that's just his master side. And then the guy's got a DDD or DDE Unlimited, which is a designated duty engineer. So he can run any vessel and any horsepower in the world, as long as it's not steam powered or turbine powered. But yeah, he's gifted and he knows his stuff. So. It was a pleasure to work underneath him. Okay. So, after 21 years, uh, I know you've had some good and bad times, right? Let's talk about a couple of the bad times. I mean, what was the what was the scaredest you've ever been at sea? Oh, man. Can you pick that point out? The I'll tell you about the one of the scariest times on the Gladiator. And we we're on a crossing. And we got about 800 miles from land. And I remember like it was yesterday. We had, it was an easterly, a northeasterly, and a south, southeast. It was coming from all directions, but it was at least 40 foot. And we're out in the middle. Gladiator's a big boat. It can handle a lot. But it didn't help that seeing the other guys on the boat that, are, you know, that had as much experience as I do now back then were, you know, white as ghosts. And uh, it was it was pretty pretty nasty for about two days, and uh, old Brandon Kellogg he was he was freaking seasick to the bone, but um, yeah that was that was probably some of the biggest seas I've ever seen, and then uh, the scariest I've ever been in my life on a fishing vessel was on the Epic Explorer. That boat I just didn't trust the boat. Um, a lot of people have heard about benders, a lot of people haven't, but the nickname for a bender. Is bender over because they a lot of them roll over, you know. And uh, the Golden Pisces, that was one of the first boats I worked on. That was a bender. There was 24 of those made, and only eight floating today. So I think all the eight floating have been modified. Yeah, is that correct. Yeah, yep, they've all been modified. But the ones that haven't, you know, they're at the bottom now. They they went from the Gulf straight up here. No modifications. No nothing. Sponsors. Nothing. Yeah. So what, what was the scary part of being on it? It wasn't just because it was a bender, right? No, it was, uh, we, so we're, we're going from Sandpoint to uh, Accutan. And I remember coming up on the pass, I was driving, and uh, it started getting pretty lumpy. And I knew the window was going to kick up. It's going to go easterly, like 60. And we're trying to beat the weather and go across the pass. And right when we got to COK on the south side of Unimac, I mean, it was screaming. It was doing about 80 knots sustained easterly. And uh, we had a four and a half knot ebb um, coming through the Yannick Pass. And the two combined, you know, when you have a opposing um, current and wind, it stacks them straight up. And it wasn't the biggest seas I've seen, but it was like crossing a bar. And we were, we turned around, went straight into it for however long it took. It was about six hours, I want to say, we jogged. And we're pointing straight east, doing about a half knot south. And uh, yeah, we, all of us were scared. We're all up in the wheelhouse. We just didn't trust the boat. Uh, there were so many issues with it. We had electrical issues. Um, the uh, the back tank wasn't sealing right. So we, whenever we take weather off the stern, it would uh, flood that back tank. And um, we, I think after that storm, we had like half a, half a, a tank full so it's, our back tank was super slack and uh, 
Yeah, we were all white as ghosts during that time. But, um, yeah, I remember that. But as soon as we got to the dock, we got to Accutown, all of us got off with, like, kicks in the ground. Like, dude, screw this boat. We just didn't trust it. What about, uh, what about your favorite time? Ooh. I'm kind of a weirdo, so I like to be in pain. I, I like, so... MMA fighter, dude. Yeah, I mean... Hit me. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been beat up over my, my, uh, journey, but nothing beat me up more than Opie's 2021. I was, I was a broken man after that, and, uh, but after it was all said and done, it was a pat on the back, you know, you guys just did a million pounds of Opie's in three months, and, uh, the amount of, uh, beating that we took on deck, breaking ice every morning, breaking ice every night, all in a, we did probably about 120 pots a day is all we could do, because the weather sucked, and not only that, we had so much crab in the pots, it, it would take at least five minutes to, to sort every pot. And then, uh, but that was probably my, my favorite time ever. And the camaraderie on the, on the uh, Cornelia Marie, the guys on that boat, I just, they're, they're like my brothers. I love them to death, all of them. And uh, it, it probably wouldn't have been as fun if I wouldn't have had those guys on there, but having my, uh, my chief on there, uh, Taylor Jensen, Matt Simpson, uh, Christian uh, Torgola, and uh, Kabai from he's from Hawaii, little Hawaiian boy, and then uh, Casey and Josh in the Ross. It was it was a lot of fun, and it was it was hard work though, a mm-hmm. lot of work. Not not all just TV, huh? No, not all TV. We forget about the TV, and some of the cameramen uh, they put their cameras down and come and help us, you know, push the hooks or whatever. And uh, <laughs> there was one only one time I was really pissed off by the camera guy. And he, uh, um, I turned around and climbed off the stack, turned around, and I started running towards the uh, crane station. And my dumbass forgot there was a hatch open, you know, putting crab down it. And I went straight in the tank. And I went up to my neck, so I was soaked. And as soon as I jumped out of the tank, AJ, one of the cameramen, I mean, he's standing like from me to you away. So he, he got everything. And I had, I knew if I said something that they would have to, uh, they, they couldn't really play it. So I, I was like, fucking cut, AJ. And so they didn't play it. But um, thank God, because I looked like a jackass going in there. I, I literally jumped off the stack, turned around, started skipping back like a little fairy. And <laughs> just went poop, right in the tank. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, what the hell? It's amazing how some of your best times can be the most painful or the most... Especially, you, they're not the best times when you're living them. They're the best times when you're remembering them. When you're living them. You think? Yeah. Because yeah. when you're living, dude, you're going to remember that day for the rest of your life. Uh-huh. And uh, I just I just love the accomplishment. You know, you do like a project or something at home, and it comes out just like you dreamed about it. It's a pat on the back. You remember that for the rest of your day life you know it's the same thing with like the work you do up here you know it's not your boat when you when you accomplish something it's just like wow dude i did that mm-hmm. and uh even with with you know the trawlers i worked on you know much easier work but you do something right and 100 percent you that's a pat on the back 
you get to carry that around with you for the rest of your life. Where do you see yourself going from here? So from here, I would really like to, uh, I'm really, really fingers crossed, dude, that uh, crab comes back. Yeah. If crab comes back. You and me, you and me both, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, you know. Yeah. Bering Sea Fleet Manager, and I can't, uh, for crab, and I can't get any crab. Yeah. Well, it's been shut down for two years. Red crab should be back. I'm, I'm really banking that it's going to be back this year. I think it is. So I think red crab will be back. I heard Eastern Baradai open back up. We have a lot of that quota. And then uh, Opie's has got to be back, man. It's got to be back. Those brown crab guys, they're getting paid some big bucks now because there's no crab. I mean, no Opie's, no bread. So they're getting like, what, 10 times the price they normally get? You know, this is this probably won't get swallowed well, but overall in the world market, Alaska's crab production is not a lot. No. Um, it's unfortunate uh, because we are, a, we are a sustainable, healthy fishery, right? until they say we didn't have any crab but the world doesn't see it we see it yeah you know but in the in the scope of things the crab that's produced out of alaska you know we think because we don't have a fishery it's a it's a world problem but it's not it's definitely an alaska problem yeah there's a lot of factors that go into that but I don't know if I should get into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying of, of the market, the world market. Yeah. We're, we're not a big share of it. No. No. And we're, we're the most uh, frowned upon. Not just frowned upon. We have the most rules. We have a lot of rules. Yeah. And, I mean, like you said, sustainability, that's a lot of people don't realize that we want to come back up here next year. Because if we don't, we don't have, we can't feed our families. So my whole plan is to have, you know, have a career out of this. Yeah. I don't want to overfish this. I don't want anyone else to do that. And 99.9% of the guys up here, that's their plan is to have a career. I uh, think you're right. Uh, I think everybody wants it. To, if we need to sit for a minute, we sit for a minute and let them come back and, and go. We're hoping the Red Crab's back this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and there's other places that don't look at it that way, yep. you know, other countries. I would, for me, I wish, to, I wish to Americans bought American product. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of people do buy the you know, wild from Alaska. Some don't. Some don't even know where the crab they're eating came from. No, it's, it's kind of sad. I mean, you know that the red crab that they're, that they're selling right now—it's got to be Russian or Norwegian or something else because we don't have it. It's been two years. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well. uh if you were done fishing today, right, what do you think fishing has given you, and would you do it again? I would I would start over as a crabber. I love, trolling, you make a lot of money, but it's, anybody that's trolled knows trolling. It's just, I'm a busybody. I, like I said, I, I like to pat myself on the back after a season's done. It's hard, hard work. Granted, I've knocked a lot of years off my life um, hauling pots, and uh, but not a lot of people can do it. There's probably point zero 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 one percent of the population on the planet that can actually do this job. 
you know, there's a lot of people that see it on TV, like, oh man, I can go up there and do that. No, you can't. It's, you could probably do it for a pot or two, but I, you can't, a lot of people can't keep the pace. And I said, that that was the, the amazing thing about Casey and Josh. They, they set a pace and they expect you to keep that pace. And I mean, a lot of guys, oh, they're just ramming pots in our throat. And then after that string, they're like, hey, holy shit, dude, we just filled up two tanks or a tank. It's like, well, we're getting it done. You know, we're making money. They're making us money. So I, the last thing I did was complain, not just do. And if I could go back and do it again, I would have, I would have just been on crabber. And uh, I just love the work, man. And it's more of a camaraderie. Trolling, you kind of, you, you got a lot of time on your hands. The guys start getting bitchy and picking at each other. And, and it, it just gets... Uh, Longer seasons, five months. Five months is B season. That's too long. It's just way too long. So it was like I, I looked at the trawlers like uh, it's kind of like a um, like a high school. You get clicks, right? And they always fight. You get your nerds. You get your your cool studs. Your athletes and all that. And that's how I kind of pictured it. And I but I kept it myself. I stayed. Rarely went and visited other boats. Kept on my boat. And uh, I go see my, my pops once in a while, you know, I'm the dominator. But I stayed on my boat and just worked. So you seem to be mm-hmm. been down the engine room on that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like a yacht. So we took very good care of it. But um, I've been I've been in the VE engine room with you. Yeah, yeah. So I we I mean that thing was shining all the time because I stayed on the boat and I just worked, just slaved there. But that's what I like to do. I like to, I, I get an idea in my head. Oh, I want I want this to, you know, look all nice and shiny today. Yeah. Well, it'd take most people like three days to do it. It'd take me one because I, I don't know if you know me that well, but I love energy drinks and candy and <laughs> I get after it. To, to prove that, guys, he showed up today with a couple energy drinks in a bag <laughs> just for the, just for the chat. But, um. Jake, if you had any advice for for young guys, you're starting with where you, where you started, um, or when you started, you know, high school or college, you know, just trying to earn that money to pay for college and whatnot. What advice would you give to someone looking to get in here? Um, if you're gonna get into fishing, you need to commit 100 percent um, and listen. The problem with the guys you have today, they they don't listen. You get a lot of notes. I don't know what it is about this. Um, the younger generation, they, they, they got this stick in their ass thinking that they know everything. And uh, it, it creates a bind on the boat. Uh, my first my first uh, trip on the boat, or my, my first, uh, um, what do you call it, contract running the boat, you know, I had a, I had a deckhand on there that he was just, he was a pain in the ass. But, you know, like a big boy got rid of him but I realized that a lot of these guys are like that now they just they come up here and they expect to just make all this money and uh, they're calling the shots it's like no this, there's a hierarchy on here for a reason you have the captain the chief and then you're the bottom bitch that's it you do whatever you, you do what they say that's bottom line and you're here to learn and you're here to most of all make money 
And my biggest thing is when you're up here, um, work your ass off, but have a lot of fun. Because if you're not having a lot, if you have that one bad apple or you have that, that um, just that guy that doesn't do his job, it kind of makes everyone else, the camaraderie, like just drop and everyone just starts bitching and time just goes super slow. But when you're having fun, you're laughing, and giggling, eating all the cookies and grinding away, dude, you, you get done or you, you get it done. It's just, it goes so much faster. So a, a good attitude, bring a really good attitude to the boat and just listen that's it uh, i mean we can make grinders out of not grinders you can we can make workers out of people that that not used to it they just gotta be taught well you know how to and your body can actually go a lot further than your mind can you're gonna break mentally you in crabbing industry you're gonna break mentally at some point but you gotta remember your body's gonna you can push your body through a lot further any final words for us Anything you want to say? Oh, geez, I don't know. I love fishing. I love this. I mean, I love my family a lot more, but this is something that it, I'm going to be doing until till I can't. I'm old in the bones, can't do it no more. So I'm, I'm probably in this until I'm at least 65. And uh, I just hope my body can keep up because I know I've been rough on it over the years. Will you make it go further than your mind does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they make a, a boat wheelchair accessible, I'll be longer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on today. And uh, that's it. That's it. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Galley Stories. We hope you like what the net brought in. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Whether you like it or not, we're not fishing for compliments. Look us up on Facebook and Twitter, too. And reach out to us at galleystories at gmail.com.